Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a road, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. Day Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Good morning, everyone. This is Fran Lewis. We're supposed to be interviewing. Here he is, finally. I hope. Okay, one second. Hi. Hello. It's Fran. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing fine. How are you? Yeah. I got worried because we're on the air. <laughs> I got like, where is Mike? Okay, yeah, so. We're getting a little snow here now. Yeah, oh, God. It's like crazy. Um, are you okay? I'm sorry? I'm, I'm, I'm Are you fine. okay? Yes, oh, I am. So how come you're chosen? Chose... I, I... No, I can't go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> um... So how come you chose the reunion as a theme? I mean, a lot of people hesitate to go to 50-year reunions. So why did you decide to do that? Was, that's interesting, though, because I would never go to any reunions ever. <laughs> well, I tell you, I, I've heard a lot of people express the same sentiment as you just did. Uh, in my first yeah. book in this series, Old Ways and New, uh, New Days, his daughter had, had, had seen the invitation for the uh, reunion, which John had put aside because he didn't want to go either. But to his surprise, his, his daughter went ahead and, and paid for the reservations and the whole thing. It's kind of a, a treat for her dad, John Ross, since he for his retirement. And uh, he over the next couple of years, he kept or the next year he kept putting it off, putting it off. But his wife Sally uh, said, "Listen, mm. Chloe paid for this. We're going." And you're going to see some old friends of yours. So uh, that's how that that came about. And even at, you know, at the beginning of the novel, he he still expresses you know regrets about having to go, but you know I'll do it for my daughter. Well, the hardest thing I think I retired early because my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, so I had no choice. I had to take care of her for a million years. But the hardest thing is, how did he adjust to being retired? If you're not, like, I retired and I decided to do this and write books and all that, it's fun. How, how does he retire? How did he adjust to retirement, John Ross? Well, he was, uh, he took somewhat of a, a buyout. He was 65, 66, and uh, mm. he didn't really want to, but uh, the, the newspaper was downsizing and, uh, where he was working at, he was a sports editor, and he decided that you know I might as well uh, take this now and you know, move on into this new phase of my life. Uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. easy, and and the first you know the first really in all the books have really been kind of this transition from a working person to a retired person and trying to find some purpose and meaning in his life. Mm. I I know that a lot of people retired from my school. 
and I see them on Facebook, and most of them do nothing. They just, you know, watch the grandkids, which is fine and whatever. I think I would just lose my mind if I did nothing and had nothing to look forward to except just watching television or whatever. A lot of them just don't. So when you go to a reunion like that, you know, everybody wonders how do they look, how are they going to act, what are they going to react. What do they hope to find when they see people from high school or any or any reunion? Well, I've, uh, I confess, I've, I've been to a few reunions. In fact, I went to mm. I went to three different high schools I'm growing up. My, mm. my week. And uh, I went to two uh, 50th class reunions, one for a school in Campbellsville called Taylor County High School, and the other uh, was at Eastern High School in Louisville. Uh, and I... Uh, I've, I've maintained friendships with some of these people. Not, not you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know. In high school, there are always little cliques or whatever. And you have your little bunch of, you know, your friends. You don't know everybody in your class. Uh, you mm-hmm. might be familiar with a few names, but uh, I think out of curiosity, you want to go back and just uh, reconnect. And 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 there's some people you kind of wonder, you know, whatever happened to them. And uh, and I'm sure they they have have opinions about you too. You know that. I wonder, you know, how he, you know, became what he did. So it's uh, I think it's out of, out of curiosity and just uh, mm-hmm. to see what people did. And actually, I mean, it's even on a vain thing, you know, uh, uh, you know what they look like now. Uh, mm-hmm. If you've never been one, sometimes you might be surprised how. how, how I don't think I want anybody physically. to know. <laughs> I graduated <laughs> high school in two and a half, two and a half years. Uh-huh. I did. My mother made me go to summer school because I was smart. So she said, yeah. you go to, you know, I had to advance. Not only did uh-huh. I have to advance, I had to advance in a college. So that was the end. I didn't care because I really wasn't crazy about the high school. So I said, that's great. I started college at 17. Makes it so much easier. So uh-huh. Geraldine. Geraldine well, reminds know, me a... of somebody. <laughs> no, I think it's uh just, I mean, you're, you're, you're like, say, so you're a smart person, and just, uh, just the curiosity. I try. <laughs> don't, don't you ever just wonder, you know, whatever happened just, to so and so? I mean, I'm sure. I assume you had some, a, a couple best friends, didn't you? Some girls you ran around with, or, or a boy I didn't have too many friends. I was in the uh, orchestra, and I played okay. in the orchestra, and basically, we were a closed group. I always wondered how the French horn player was because he thought I was cute. I think he needed glasses, but whatever. He actually had glasses. I, I didn't have too many friends in high school. I was pretty much pretty say to myself. My mom was uh-huh. the PTA president, so that didn't make me too popular with a lot of people, but I didn't care. Okay. And the principal, <laughs> the principal loved me because my cousin is a famous oral surgeon, and he knew Mark. So he had me typing for him. So I, you know, and during free classes, I was in his office being his secretary, which was just fine for me. I didn't care. Now, uh-huh. come come to Geraldine. I like Geraldine. Well, you're, but you're a former school teacher, aren't you yourself? I was reading and writing specialist. Yeah. And okay. if my mother, my mother was not um, sick, I probably would have been the principal of a school because I have a third and fourth masters in administration. And mm-hmm. what can I say? Yeah, it was. She was diagnosed with dementia, Alzheimer's, and my sister was still alone. I miss her. And she was the one that you know she had kids and stuff. And my brother had three children in school, and I got elected to retire in a while ago. 
and had, mm-hmm. I guess, had this new principal who's horrible. She's still there. I've not been there. I probably would have stayed. I would have, uh-huh. the, the old principal would have definitely not let me go because my reading program was too important and the fact that I was good with discipline and everybody listened made it easier for her not to have to come out of her office ever. But she was great. So we have Geraldine. She wasn't thrilled that, that they were going to the reunion because her son and his wife, forget them. So she didn't handle that too well, did she? She was not thrilled about it. Well, you know, like yeah, Geraldine's an older is an older woman. Of course, yeah. Sally's mother, and she, and she lives with them. And uh, she's a very she's a independent woman. She's, yeah, she's smart. She's got a kind of a, a caustic attitude, or, or kind of a sharp tongue at times. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she's she's not really enthralled to be having the, her her son, who's kind of a a milk toast, and his wife, who's kind of a, who's a little bit on the religious side, uh, watching over her. She feels like she can take care of herself, and uh, I think Sally probably agrees that she, that, that she could. But what if something happened? And uh, in, in an earlier book, you know, she fell and broke her hip. Yeah, I remember. Hip. And uh, and that's what Sally is really, you know, more concerned with. You know, what, mm. what if she falls again and she can't get up? You know, it's uh, so. But uh, she's a, uh, you know, they and you know, but they they work through it. But it's just uh, Geraldine, like I said, it's very independent. Geraldine has and a short time now. like me at times. I like her. Yeah. She's she's my kind of people. <laughs> now, well, let's get to the heart of this thing. Um, she's a Penilla, He goes to the reunion, and John must be one hot guy because Penelope likes him. And then uh-huh. there's Candy, and she attaches herself to them, and I don't think Sally's too thrilled about it. So why does that happen? And why doesn't she like to get away from my husband? <laughs> Well, you know, it's uh, I think you know, you know Penelope has, has had kind of a crush on on John back and so yeah, I know. And John, was, uh, <laughs> and John was kind of a, you know how we are back in school. We're all, you know, we think we we're, we're pretty smart, but really we're all pretty naive and innocent, uh, at least most <laughs> of us. And uh, you know, we kind of walk around with our heads in the clouds and just uh, you know, that's kind of what John was. He. If she had a crush on him, he was he wasn't really aware of it, you know. It's uh, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, it's a yeah. It, uh, it reminds me of one time back when I went to a reunion one time. It, it I think it was my twenty fifth or so, and I was you know just talking to some people, and one gal said, you know, Mike, what I I had the biggest crush on you. Why didn't you ever ask me out or anything? And uh. I had no clue she had a crush on me or anything, you know. And I, if I had known that, I probably would have asked her out. But I was just, you know, too dumb. And, uh, <laughs> but that's life, you know. It's, uh, that, that's one of, you know, that's a growing period for us. And, you know, not only academic, but academically, but uh, you know, as a as a person, you know, we get to we learn you know, uh, who 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 we are, and. Uh, and of course, hopefully, we mature from that and, and move on. But that's I didn't have to worry about it. Oh, I, I was this, I was this homely little kid who was overweight. Oh, okay. No, I'm skinny. Uh, I was overweight <laughs> and not pretty. 
yeah. So my father, my father owned a big cleaning store, and he, uh-huh. you know, and then he went to when he lost, gave up the store. He worked in Manhattan, so he met all these rich guys, and he said, you know, I'll, I'll hook you up with dates. You have no idea how bad that was. I mean, uh-huh. some of them were it was comical, and I said, Dad, you've got to be kidding me. These people are old enough to be my grandfather, but they're rich. I go like, I think I'll handle. I could not believe it. Like, you got to be kidding me! And oh God! So we have Willard and Grover. Tell us about some of the people that he met that are at the reunion. Some of them didn't seem too very nice. Well, you had, you know, some of them weren't. Uh, you know, like like Barrett. Yeah, he's like Barrett. Kind of a, yeah, he's a kind of a. Upper crust. He moved from the upper crust, and he used to be known as Barry. But now that he's uh, wealthy and uh, likes to make investments in, in the investment industry, he goes by Barrett now. And uh, he's got a—I don't want to say a trophy wife, but she's probably about 20 years his junior. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but he's—he's uh, he's kind of full of himself, and uh, and I think. Uh, He's only out for himself, really. Uh, you know, there's, there's one passage in the book where he wants John to look, you know, talk to him about some retirement investments and whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, John says you know, he'll give us some thought. But when it comes to uh, recommending uh, helping another person who's really on the lower end of the uh, economic spectrum, uh, Barrett's not too interested because he's not going to make much money off of that. So, uh, and then there's Lenny, who's kind of the uh, the old hippie, good-hearted guy, just uh, got into drugs and whatever back in the 60s and 70s, and uh, he wasn't going to do much with his life. I, mean, I shouldn't say do much with his life, but he wasn't that ambitious as some other people and uh, kind of moved from one job to the next, but he's got a big heart. He's always there to help folks and, mm. and whatnot. Uh, you know, Virgie, he's one of the main characters in the novel, he was kind of a uh, kind of a uh, I should say kind of a wormy little kid, you know, in high school. Mm-hmm. One that, you know, the kind of guy that you know people pick on a little bit, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, trying to fit a stereotype, you know, that that maybe thought people thought he was a little effeminate, and uh, but and all, you know, really what he was, he was a an artistic person. And he was interested in the arts and painting and things like that, you know, which doesn't bode well with those who have a, a jock mentality. But uh, you know, Virgie goes on to become a, you know, a, 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 you know uh, an established artist, and he, he's moved on to Oregon. Mm. He's been through uh, some some troubling times himself, but he, uh, he he's a good person, and he was you know, a good friend with John back in high school. Uh, I like Virgie. Uh, you yeah, see, I'm interested uh, in art. I like that stuff. So to me, he would have sounded very interesting. Uh huh. Yeah, I think we. Uh, yeah, I've ran across a few people in, in my life, and uh, that you never would have thought that they would have done what they did. But mm. I, I guess one of the premises of this book is that don't judge people by what you see at when they're 15, 16, yeah. 17 years old. I mean, those are formative years. You know, they go on to college mm-hmm. or they go into the military or they go on to they get married and it's kind of a metamorphosis over the course of our lives. I mean, it's, 
you know, here we are at, at this stage in our lives, and, and we're, I hope, you know, we're, we're both still growing. You know, you're you're doing your wonderful book reviews and your writing and things like that, and I'm I'm, I'm a novelist, and uh, that's right. Uh, in fact, there was a time, you know, I, I had people ask, you know, say something to me like, you know, Mike, I never would have known you'd been a writer, you know, and I. Uh, and I, I used to kind of look at them and I wonder, you know, why would you even say that? I mean, you really hardly ever knew me back 50 years ago or however long, you know. Yeah, we used to go out and go to the movies or go, to, you know, goof off, play basketball or whatever, but you never knew what I was doing at home. Uh, you never knew I was a reader or that I was writing and, and, and things like that. And, you know, you get, then you go to college and or whatever you're going to do, and, and you develop those skills. And uh, but it's just uh, don't ever underestimate anybody. That's why I've always said, you know, mm-hmm. even when you see young people right now, you know, it, and they seem like they're troubled or whatever. We were troubled too, you know. And uh, we we had you know, it, it takes a while to find find yourself. And uh, you know, some people are lucky and they know what they're going to do when they're 15 years old when they go on to become a doctor or a pharmacist or, or whatnot. But there are some of us that take maybe 10, 15 years to really discover, you know, what our, our true talents are. And we have to work through uh, some people are extroverted, some people are introverted. And uh, it's just uh, it, it's a difficult world out there. And it, it takes, you know, it takes time to, to, to work through some of these things. I was lucky because when I was three, or was uh-huh. it two and a half, three, my aunt sat in front of me with my mother and said, I'm a reading specialist. You will be one, too. And uh-huh. this was like, uh-huh, for real, you will be a reading specialist. You will follow in my footsteps. And somehow she was right. My aunt was the head of the educational park in Club City in the Bronx. And when I went to get my second master's in reading, well, somebody encouraged me to do that. It was the smartest thing I ever did. And you know, I don't stay in touch with my classmates, but my students are on Facebook, and they still remind me of what I, what I did for them. So that means uh-huh. a whole lot to me, too. Yeah, they're all, all those little angels out there. They're all mine, every one of them. Uh-huh. And, well, you're kind of, well, you're fortunate. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm so pr- I'm proud of them because some of them, one of them even said on Facebook one day, if not for me, I probably would be in Rikers. He says he says she straightened my butt out big time. Yeah, you you don't want to mess with this one, but I'm so I'm proud of them. So at least I know I did something right in my hundred years of being there. So well, you know, we myself, have I was I, I wasn't the greatest student back in high school. I was kind of you know I, I went all over the place. It's just uh, I, I hardly opened books or whatever. But I was mm-hmm. thinking the other day about some of my teachers, and some teachers really lifted me up. And, you know. The self-esteem and uh, the thing you know, Mike, you're not as dumb as what you're showing in class. And you know, you need to apply yeah. yourself, and I did. And uh, I've I've always been so grateful for some of the teachers I had in school. And I I, I admit I, there were some teachers who weren't so good, but just like in just like in everything else in life, there's some great mm-hmm. teachers and there's some bad teachers and there's some mediocres. But it's just uh, I was fortunate to have a handful of really good teachers who. Uh, told me I could do, you know, whatever I set my mind to do. And uh, that's why I love teachers so much. I was really lucky uh, because I didn't think I was going to make it the first five minutes. I had a class from you know where, 
and they stacked, it was a stacked deck on purpose. They wanted to see if I was going to fail. Here I am, five feet tall, 17 and a half years old, whatever, 18, starting to teach, and I've got the toughest class in the sixth grade. And it took me about a month, and then one of the guys said to me, you're in charge. You can torture them all you want. You've got to just uh-huh. get tough. They never knew what hit them when I walked in that day. They thought I was somebody else. I said, this is the fun is over. The queen has arrived. I said, unless yeah. you love me so much and want to be in my class next year, I would suggest you follow what the queen has to say. And uh-huh. there were 35 kids that never knew. I never had to say anything for all the years I was there. That was it. I, I had spoken. But there were two teachers in my school that were nobody wanted to mess with these two. So I observed them. And then uh-huh. I asked, and I asked the assistant principal to observe me and say, "Do I have what it takes to teach children, or should I quit now?" And he said, "Not only can you get me," and he says, "You know how to do everything. Don't worry about it." So now uh-huh. we've got this other character, Malcolm. So why do we get the, the impression? You know what? You're right. People prejudge people by the way they look, and I hate that. And people prejudge people by how much money they have. Who cares? So why do we get the impression that who is Malcolm and a lot of the people look down on people and you automatically, oh, well, he was this in high school. He's not going to be anything. You're right. Mm-hmm. So who is Malcolm and who is Joanne? There's a lot of people in this book. Well, it's, uh, well actually, you know, Joanne was a classmate and Malcolm was married to jo- married Joanne. And uh, their story basically is that he was kind of a, uh, somebody who uh, had some problems, and uh, you know he went served in Vietnam, came back, and uh, he went back to Audubon College, which is relatively close to uh, to uh, Columbus, Ohio. And he was walking along campus and he saw Joanne, and uh, Joanne uh, was in a somewhat troubled marriage. Uh, she finally found out that her husband, uh, uh, was, uh, who was a school principal, was having an affair with the secretary, mm. and uh, mm. that kind of kind of let one thing led to the other. And uh, Malcolm and, and, and Joanne uh, were able to, uh, you know, get you know get re, uh, reacquainted and uh, and get married. But it's uh, but he was a. Uh, like I say, as you mentioned, the person who uh, didn't seem like he was going anywhere until uh, he kind of, you know, create, uh, reconnected with the person who who cared for him, and uh, he, he was able to find himself and uh, find find mm. a degree of happiness. That is good. So now we have something that bothered me. We have Biff and Roland. Why do they keep making fun of Roland? I mean, it's like little kids that haven't grown up yet. Yeah, well, well, they're uh, well, actually they were kind of ma- they were making fun of a uh, Virgie. And, yeah, uh, Virgie too. Yeah. Yeah, but Roland uh, and Biff, they were kind of a. Let's say they were in the uh, they they were in the uh, snobbish clique school, and uh, uh, uh one of them, you know, was the son of a, a minister. I believe, it, I, I believe it was Biff, but I, I could be wrong. But and Roland was kind of a uh, kind of an entitled person too. And 
they you know they, they they play golf and they're on the golf team and uh, they they went on and got scholarships at at a, a at a university and uh, they were uh, they just thought they were better than anybody else. And of course, the story comes out is that uh, 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 Roland was uh, uh, later caught in a Ponzi scheme and. Uh, uh, Biff, a lawyer, kind of uh, defended him and made a lot of money off of that as well. But it's just uh, it was kind of a secret behind Roland that mm. uh, yeah, here, here he was. You know, he was a appeared to be a successful businessman when, in the sense, he was uh, ripping off people. Uh, so he's really not such a good guy anyway. Mm. Not that he, not that he's going to sit there and tell folks at the reunion that I was. I was incarcerated, or you know, for, for several years for what I did. But it's just, uh, you know, appearances aren't what they seem to be, and that's, that's really kind of the point I was making, and, and mm. with those two. So, what happens when you go to a reunion like this? Is it pretty much set the activities, the time you have to do everything? Does everybody do everything that they're supposed to do? I mean, 9 o'clock you do this, 2 o'clock you do this, 3 o'clock you do this. Is it sort of like a rigid schedule that they have to follow? Or don't they have to go to every activity? No, no you don't have to go to every activity. It's, uh, in fact, you know, some some reunions are just basically just a, uh, a dinner and dance. Uh, yeah. And I usually found those that it really in, in smaller schools where uh, they had a, you know a, the graduate graduating class wasn't that large, but uh, in larger schools, uh, the, the, you know it, it depends on how, what the reunion is, uh, the reunion committee. A lot of them want to make it kind of fancy with a dinner and dance, and then have as, as we had with this one here, you know, a golf outing for some of the people and uh, and other and then a picnic the following day before everybody left. Uh, but you don't know. People don't don't attend everything. Usually, there's a checklist. Mm-hmm. You know, you plan to attend this, plan to attend that. So the so the committee members will have an idea of how many are going to show up for each activity. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, this this here, I, I admit, this is probably a little more elaborate than than some schools mm-hmm. because you know it's spread over two days. And one reason we had the picnic on on the Sunday was because. Uh, People who were staying over Saturday, something to do on Sunday, event before they headed back out over the going across the country. And uh, but it's uh, some people try, try to keep it fancy, and some people kind of keep it simple. I myself, uh, from the ones I've mm. been to, I've, uh, I've in fact one I went to, uh, they even had a, a a tour of the old high school, and uh, not too many people showed interest in that, so they didn't you know, they. They canceled that, but again, another school had that, and a lot of people showed up for it. So it's just—I guess it depends on what the interest of, of, of the students are at, at the time. Mm. All I get from the schools is like, "Would you like to donate money, whatever, or would you like to be part of the?" Yeah, and I just think I yeah. ignore that completely. So now we have well, this is interesting—the church. <laughs> Tyrone, uh-huh. and what's his opinion of Wendell's church as compared to his? Well, you know, Tyrone is a—he's he's a guy who went ahead, uh, you know, graduated uh, from high school, and he's a really talented basketball player. And uh, 
he tried to make it in the NBA, and I think he made it to the the minor league level, and then he blew out his knee. But he uh, ran across a lady, and he got religion, and then he turned his ministry into helping others, uh, setting up kind of a, a social network to help uh, disadvantaged uh, and poor poor kids and and, and families. And you know, he, he, mm. he, in fact, he, he moved to Chicago, and that's where he, you know, set up his, uh, his ministry. And I think you mentioned about uh, Wendell, and uh, mm-hmm. Wendell's is nothing like it. Wendell is just kind of uh, him and his wife going from door to door, and uh, hey, why don't you come to our church? And uh, we're trying to build this church, and and there's there's no uh, really strong framework or any any purpose behind it other than. Uh, just going to church. Uh, now, some people like that. Uh, like to make a, 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 I don't want to say a majority of people, but quite a few people like uh, just being able to go to church on Sunday, and uh, that's about it. And when it goes beyond, you know, uh, for, you know, to help people or collect food or, or clothing for for the needy and whatever. Now, that's what uh, Tyrone was doing with his ministry. Uh, Kind of, you know, putting uh, uh, the gospel to work. So, uh, but but again, Tyrone, being what he is, uh, a good person, mm-hmm. he doesn't put down what Wendell is doing. Uh, uh, you know, he, he he feels that everybody has their talents and they do what they have to do, and mm-hmm. uh, so, which I think is probably a good attitude. Now I have something to. Poor Virgie was like he didn't realize that that Cindy really likes him. He never even looked uh-huh. at it. He didn't even realize that poor guy's like blindside, blind. Like oh, she's there. So how come he didn't realize that, did he? No. Uh, yeah, Cindy is a. I like her. Interesting character. Yeah, she's an interesting character. I mean, she's a nurse and she's been through a a difficult time, especially in high school. I don't want to give the away mm-hmm. too much. I mean, you've read the book, but, you know, what she had to endure and uh, uh, the pressures mm-hmm. back then. Uh, you know, back in the 60s, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize how much society has changed over the past 50-plus years. And you, you know as well as, they, as I do how, how it is, you know. it's uh, In fact, uh, back then, if a girl got pregnant or anything, you know, it just, uh, in fact, I knew one girl who, who got pregnant and they sent her off to a, uh, an unwed mother's home in, in another town, you know, and we just mm. never heard from her again. And, uh, I think that happened actually quite a bit. And, uh, in, in terms of, you know, sexual assaults or whatever, back then, uh, unless it was something really you know, egregious or whatever, most girls just kind of kept it secret, you know. It just, uh, in fact, I think a, a lot of the attitude back then, if if a if a girl uh, had, you know, was uh, assaulted, it was probably her fault. She probably led the boy on it, or the way she was dressed, or this, that, or whatever. It was hardly ever the boy's fault. And, uh, and, uh, and you know, of course, that's what Cindy had to endure back with her, you know, uh, you know with her with her parents and you know, and peer pressure, but she's a she's a survivor, and uh, and in, in, in the novel we find out what really happened to her and uh, you know what she does to to deal with that. 
I know that's it's hard. I know. So then we have Ben. Why does he go to try to help him? What is what was his point of going there to help him? I thought that was really nice too. Let's see, Ben. Uh, and he was helping Lenny too, right? Because Lenny was yeah. in trouble. He had problems. So why did he help him? But he didn't make him feel uncomfortable when he tried to help him. Well, Ben's a good guy. Uh, uh, big-hearted. Uh, he was a a person who uh, uh, he went on. You know, he left school, and he had some some problems uh, uh, after that. With, with like a lot of our generation did, you know, with with drugs and uh, not meeting, you know, the expectations uh, after having a, an injury in in, in college, uh, an athletic injury, which, you know, with, with so many athletes, uh, especially in the in collegiate level, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's while you're mm-hmm. contributing, everything's fine and dandy, but you get injured, you know, it's, uh, who are you? We've forgotten about you. And uh, But he uh, he's a person who uh, persevered, uh, he's you know big heart, and he 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 knew what what Bertie had gone through, or how Bertie had been treated. So he uh, he's just just a good person. Well, I like John. He's really cool. Now, hmm, Grover, what a horrible person. So Grover <laughs> has a thing for Sally when she's dancing. Now you yeah. see, Sally's my kind of person because I would have probably kicked him somewhere and taken care of business, not let him get away with that. So she tells yeah. John, and what does he do? Now, John, you're not going to let him, you know, take take advantage of Sally. So, yeah. Yeah, well, he you took know, care of business. <laughs> Grover is one of those people who, uh, you know, a lot of us, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of us, you know, grow and uh, mature mm-hmm. and become, you know, Good citizens, or whatever you want to call it. Rover is a person he's kind of locked back, you know, locked in the, the 60s. Even though he went on to the service and uh, he uh, he was probably, you know, I didn't I didn't mention this in the novel, he was probably somewhat of a bully in, mm-hmm. in the, while he was in the military. And he just, uh, he, he just has that attitude about himself that he's still going to pick on people. Uh, he's, mm-hmm. I think, you know, there was... He had some remorse about his problem with his uh, little incident with Virgie. In fact, uh, he, he said he didn't mean to do it, but again, you know, it, he pushed somebody that hard for them to fall. Uh, I don't know, it, it's, it's kind of a, a lame excuse. But, you know, Grover, he's just a, he's, I, I guess you, he's a sexist. He, he, you know, that's just. Uh, just the way he is, the way he treated Sally, and uh, with with John, uh, you know, Sally wanted to put, you know, you know, the, the little incident at the dance. Sally wanted to just forget about it mm. and move on, you know. Even though, uh, but, uh, but any 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 decent man would not just hey forget about it, especially when it comes to your to your spouse or, or your significant other. 
And as we know in the, in the novel that John uh, just didn't take it sit, sitting down. He uh, it's, it's one of those things I make mention. I think I mentioned the novel. Mm-hmm. He just he, he wouldn't be able to look at himself in the mirror if he just turned mm-hmm. his, turned his head on this. And uh, I think you know Sally appreciates it, but again she doesn't want to cause a scene either. Uh, it's just, I, she probably wants to just. She just wants to move on from it, but again, it's something that that John can't can't let this go by. But Grover's not right, a nice person. <laughs> and, no, uh, you know, he reminds me. He reminds me of of so many other people. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. that I, you know, you you work with people, and there was a few guys in my school that thought that they could take advantage of some of us. Whatever's didn't help. Mm-mm. No, as a matter of fact, what happened was a whole bunch of us had to go to the principal. Until uh-huh. because it was getting out of hand. So before I forget, this is a really big deal for this second time. Um, I took my second master's at Lehman College, and uh-huh. it's because my the lady in the beauty parlor, my friend Ida, said you have to go because you're smart. I don't know why I listened to her, but I did. The professor that took my first class. Dr. George Cavuto came on in August. We talked about the medicalization of education. On Monday, we're going to have a discussion, not an interview discussion. We're going to talk about how to assess children through problem solving and reading and learning disabilities and how you figure how you help children at home. So I'm excited that we're going to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he thinks I'm smart. What can I tell you? I don't know. You are smart. (laughs) Well, yeah, he, he, he tortured me. For 16 weeks, he tortured me because uh-huh. I was the first, only person to to write the papers. Well, he had to write it on an index card. He said I was the smartest person and wrote everything right, so he picked my articles and tortured me for the rest of the time, but that's okay. And then I was non-matriculated. When I went in to sign up for the next class, they said, you're in for the full course because he signs you up without you knowing. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah, I did. I was. Well, uh-huh. And on Wednesday we have Helen Powell, Power, the Ghost of Thornwell Place. On the 17th, psychotherapist Dennis Palumbo and I are going to tackle winter blues and stress and anxiety. On the 20th, this is a big one. I've never interviewed her before. Marsha Muller, Ice Cold. She's big. And on the 24th, one of my favorite people in the world, Dr. Maxine Thompson, Lineage. And on the 26th, this is going to be fun. I have a whole bunch of people. We're going to talk about how you write the last line of your novel to make it seem as if it's going to keep going for the next one. So mm-hmm. that's just January, and there's a lot more coming up in February and March. I have another 50 interviews until the end of May. So anybody well, out there that needs anything, yeah, I can't believe it, yeah. And um, I, I, yesterday I, I, I interviewed... I the... no, go ahead. I, I, it's amazing. If you have something, you have something coming out. You better tell me. I have to put you in my schedule. Um, well, I'm, so, uh, I'm trying to get started on the next book in the series. And uh, oh, good. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, it's good, but I'm kind of at a. I don't want to say it's. It's not writer's block or whatever, but you know, it's 2018, and they've made some reference to the Spanish flu in this book. You know, and uh, I'm mm-hmm. trying to deal, think about how am I going to. Work the novel into to the the pandemic. I don't want it to be a pandemic novel, but again, no, you don't want to do that. To affect us in so many ways. I don't like those kind of books. They get me. I mean, I I, I walk outside and I say I, I was walking in the building just now, 
And I said to my husband, what is this? I should write a book, The Faceless World, because it bothers me. And people are nasty. They're really nasty. They're, they have, they forget that there's, you know, niceness in the world, and a lot yeah. of kindness has disappeared with this thing. So we have a few more minutes. So, hmm. He connected with people at the at the reunion. So what is who is Judy and what's her connection to Ben? I like Ben. Well the uh of course, you know, it's back in the sixties, uh there wasn't there was if there was Interracial dating, especially mm. you know, I'm, I'm I'm writing just from my perspective of, of being a mm-hmm. living in Kentucky and uh, being kind of a, a southerner, midwestern type of person. But uh, th- there wasn't, if there was any interracial da- dating, it was it was uh, behind the scenes. People, I mean, it, it just wasn't that open. In fact, mm. one of my classmates uh, uh, at one of the schools I went to. Uh, Told me at, at, at the reunion that that he, uh, he, he he was a he was a black guy and he uh, he told me he he had a, a dated a white girl for a while and uh, he said we just we just kind of did it in secret and that's really kind of with with Ben and, and uh, Judy and uh, mm. but she uh, again I don't want to give too much away in the novel but you know one thing led to the other and. Uh, she wanted to get back with him. In fact, I think that was probably one of the more poignant parts of the novel that you know, mm. that she shows up with another woman, and uh, of course the woman is middle aged, and uh, mm. there's there's some discoveries there for for Ben that that uh, that kind of uh, brighten his life. You know, he's uh, he's got you know uh, <clears throat> Parkinson's disease, and uh, he's been kind of uh, 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 neglected by his by his son and daughter, so he's kind of living alone, and uh, it's kind of a mm. a bright spot in his life. I mean, it's uh, living with that, but still finding some some hope uh, uh, in your life. It's uh, I, I enjoyed writing that part. Yeah, I know. I like that. So, yet you added some humor and tension. And Sally gets a pretty better insight of John. So, what happens to Grover? That's the best part. Well, Grover. He deserves uh, it. <laughs> well, you know, Grover doesn't. Well, I don't want to get too much in the novel again, but, you know, Grover, uh, after the picnic, develops a little mm-hmm. road rage and uh, ends up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And, uh,. And from there, yeah, poor uh, Grover. He doesn't yeah, quite poor, get there. Yes, poor Grover. I don't think there were probably too many tears shed over Grover, but it's uh, yeah. Uh, but he's uh, it's sad. you know, it's funny. I, I, there was some funny. The uh, I, I've talked to several other people since the novel came out, and they they all mentioned mm. uh, having to deal with bullies as well. And one of them said, you know, one of them messed with me one time, and. Uh, yeah, that's one thing about Grover. Grover was kind of a, a big guy back in high school, you know, physically intimidating. Mm. But some of these other people over the next couple of years, they they grew to where they were bigger, bigger than Grover, you know. But you know, Grover still had this idea that he was still the big the big guy, 
And uh, but this one guy told me, you know, one guy had tried this with me, a boy, and uh, he didn't realize that I'd been taking boxing lessons and I beat the tar out of him. <laughs> well, so you just, see, uh, that that's got, good. You've always got to watch out. And uh, I, I was lucky I because I was little. Uh, we didn't, you know, kids didn't did the teachers. Some some of my teachers were nasty, not the kids. Uh-huh. So yeah. I had a sixth grade teacher from you know where she was horrible. That's beside the point. Uh, when I taught for a hundred years, my kids, my, no one in my classes ever got bullied, ever. Uh-huh. And if I caught a sight of anybody picking on anyone, their hand was very tired from when I asked them to write. Yeah. Not only would they have to write an apology to me for aggravating me, they had to write an apology to the person that they did that to. This and they had to have like a peer mediation kind of thing we did. We talked about it. And when I was mm-hmm. the dean, I no there was no such thing as getting bullied and if I found out you were getting suspended, there was no even there was no discussion in the matter. I mean when I used the last two years I taught with this principal who's still there unfortunately, the discipline has gone down and she can't seem to handle it. So uh-huh. If if John were going to take you know time to sit down and write a question or whatever, how would he sum up the reunion? And what about Sally? Is he glad he went, or would he say it better not go next time? I don't really want to connect with anybody again in the future. I think it's probably a, a one-shot deal for John. I don't think he, I don't think he, if, yeah. if there's a, a 55th class reunion or a 60th or, or whatnot, I don't yeah. think he'll go. But I think. He was glad he went because he could reconnect with some other people, and I think he's probably he's probably going to yeah. try to stay in touch with Virgie and and, and a few others, so, you know, those that he had lost touch with uh, after after he left high school. Uh, but you know, it, it, I think he was uh, it was kind of a heartwarming experience to, to mm. see Lenny and and a few other people, and then it, there are a few others that you know I don't care if I ever see them again. Uh, you know, but you know, not that they're bad people or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But another point in the novel is that you know, we all go our separate ways, and, mm-hmm. and again, we're not the we're not the same people we were when we were seventeen, eighteen years old. Uh, you know, we're all you know sixty eight, sixty nine years old now, and uh, lot, lot, life's life has, has changed us in, in, in many ways from being, you know, parents or going mm. in the military or, or, or jobs or, or sicknesses, uh, you know, there's a plethora of things that can, they can be thrown at you over the course of 50 years. Mm. And, uh, uh, that, that's really, you know, what, what John, is, you know, kind of looks at. And he he knows he's changed over the years, and uh, he's still changing. It's still, uh, even though he's in retirement, that's just a, another phase in life, and he's got to deal with those things. Uh, uh, that's what we all do, you know. It's just uh, mm. it, unless unless it, as you had mentioned, you know, you you know of some people who are sitting at home, uh, yeah. watching television or doing mundane things. But uh, if you want to grow and uh, you you have to uh, challenge yourself and 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 put your foot uh, that best foot forward and keep on keeping on. That's what I try to explain to some of my relatives, my cousins, and I tell to them, you can't sit home and do nothing, and you can't just sit, put the grandkids on the bus and stay home and watch television until they come back home. And my other one cousin likes to go for walks in the morning. I said that's great. I said, but 
you should be reading, you should be doing something else. You wanted to learn a foreign language, well, go and learn it. There, there's a whole bunch mm-hmm. of, you know, Rebetta Stones, Rosetta Stones, and you could a whole bunch of things that you could learn. And I think that if I didn't, my sister, before she died, I, was, I weighed 200 pounds. I weigh 107 now. And she said, you're eating yourself into oblivion. You're becoming a couch potato. Why don't you write a book? I said, you're going to be in big trouble because I'm going to write about us, which is what uh-huh. I did. I wrote My Name is Bertha, probably not one of my best books in the world, but, boy, she got it real good. She said, I didn't realize that mom was so rude to you. She said, that's because you're really not my sister. You were adopted. I said, somehow I knew that, but I didn't want to know. She was joking, but not really. So I, uh, I never really found out the truth about it because I really don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> at this point. My, mo- my mom was tough, and if I didn't get 100 on the test, I had to write it over. Even if I got 99, I had to write the whole test over so it was perfect. So she didn't do that to my sister or my brother. So no, I, I wonder sometimes. That borders yeah, on she peace, was, doesn't it? Yeah, she was, she was really tough. And then before she died, she said, someday you'll find out the truth about your age and who you really are. I said, Ma, it's better enough I had to live with you for all these years. What the heck difference does it make? And I cracked up laughing. Uh-huh. And she had Alzheimer's, and she remembered. So what can I say? So where do you yeah. see John and Sally next? Are you going to bring back Brody and see if we could straighten him out? Well, yeah, Brody's one of the – I think when I talk to, to the readers and whatever, Brody's one of the – Brody and Geraldine are the most – Memorable characters. It's just uh, I like him. And, and, and you know he's uh, I'm, on, on the draft I'm working at right now. Uh, you know Brody mm-hmm. Brody play, plays a prominent part in that. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out how to develop it more. I, you know I, I don't want any kind of repetition or anything like that. But yeah, I guess you know from the previous novels, you know he's got he's had a a, a problem with opioids. And, yeah, uh, it, it, it's a constant struggle for him, like it is for anybody who who, who, who uh, has taken opioids. And it's just uh, it's just uh, kind of like smoking or anything else. It's every day. It's just uh, you you have to to face it and beat it. And uh, that's uh, I'll, I'll be bringing him back. And uh, Geraldine's getting much older, so I'm not sure what's going to happen with her, but. People tell me they just love reading about her and, and the uh, the banter mm-hmm. she has with with Sally and Wendell and, uh, and his wife. So it's a uh, it, it's really been a fun series to write. It's uh, I think as a writer it's 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 really uh, it, it's it's been enriching for me because I, I I can delve more deep deeply into the characters. And with each with each novel, you know, mm-hmm. unfold, you know, more layers about the characters, who they are, and that's one. Again, that's one thing I want to do with this uh, uh, reunion of familiar strangers uh, mm-hmm. was to get some background on, on John, on, on why John became what he, you know, the person he is. You know, as as people reflected on John back when he was 16 years old, and his parents, and the influence they had on him and on others. So that, that's really kind of a, a, a nice thing about the series. And you know, when I've read other series by other authors, I, I, I like that as well. That you know, it's just right. uh, it's just the, 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 they're not cardboard characters. They really almost yeah, they become real people. I think Geraldine needs a boyfriend. Personally, I think she needs a hot guy. And also, I would wonder what would happen. This is just my mind going off before we stop. 
Um, I wonder what would happen if Brody straightens out and all of a sudden this guy offers him some to sell drugs and opiates and he realizes that's not where he wants to be. Uh, well, that, uh, that character is still around. He, you know, Brody lives that's in what I figured, yeah. Kentucky, and uh, John wants to keep him away. And, and the, the guy is really not, I guess, he, he's not a... a He's not your stereotypical, you know, drug dealer yeah. or whatever. He's just kind of more the the casual recreational use. But you know, hey, I got this here. Why don't you try these pills or whatever? You know, and it's just kind of. Uh, yeah. But it's uh, he, he's probably going to figure in into to a, you know, a future novel as well. Yeah. But it's but it's uh like I say it's been fun and uh, it's uh you know developing the characters I I I, I can take the book in different directions but I, I want to get again I want to keep it fresh and something that you know the readers the people want to you know find out you know what happened to John here or what happened to Sally here or yeah. Geraldine and uh, you want to keep it fresh and uh, and lively and uh, you know uh, interesting as long as you don't kill off John and Sally and Geraldine I'm happy because okay. um I'm, yeah, I'm not going to tell you which author, but on March 8th, I'm going to ask him, how come you did that? <laughs> he killed off a main character, a New York Times author. Okay, so before we end, where can we find all of your books? And um, just let me know when this is coming out so I can stick it in my schedule. Oh, I've never been this popular in my life, my God. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Fran, I want to tell you right now that I really appreciate all you, all you do. I mean, I just, uh, I read all your reviews and and your what you do with your podcast and what you yeah, do with I got some writing. nasty ones. I got some you're, nasty uh, ones for Population Zero. I got some really <laughs> nasty ones. My God, well, I could not believe well, it. A, well, you're a very creative person, and uh, you know, I was reading something the other day that said you know, one way to really stay young and uh, avoid any kind of mental type problems is try to yeah. try to remain creative. And that's one thing you've done, and I, I really appreciate that. You're uh, you really excel at doing doing things well in, in in different in different ways. Yeah, I try, but you know, I I my last book, Population Zero, supposed to stay a world without people, and I was on tour with Partners in Crime, which is fine, and I was on tour up until last week with um, Isabella Blackthorn, Blackberry Tours, mm-hmm. and they apologized to me because. Half the reviews were okay, and the other half the reviews were really nasty and, and rude. They didn't understand why I wrote it. I created uh-huh. worlds that no one would ever want to live in—a world with ice, a world with darkness, a world with no sun—and I invited a dead body, to, dead spirit, to come back and experience it. And the purpose of them was to tell them about the world. Would you want to live in that one? Why can't we all start to get together in this one? It was really simple. They didn't get it, so they apologized right. to me because they said. I got a review on Amazon. She this she was not supposed to put it on there. The review is four thousand five hundred words, and mm-hmm. I, I just I ignored it. I said, you know what? You don't understand it. I don't care. But yeah, I this your books at least are heartwarming and great, and I appreciate it. And everyone out there, I think everyone needs to wear a mask when you go outside. It's not so bad, and I uh, think I everybody needs you. to and they need to decide yeah. whether to get vaccinated and. That's no fun, but yeah, it does help. They tell me, even though, what can I say? Well, I hope, uh, and, uh, you know, seriously, I hope people do get vaccinated. I mean, it's it's, it's science, and it, it works. I hope they and, do. Uh, 
Yep. I mean, I didn't want to do it, but I did it, and I'm all boosted, and I had reactions to all three. And you know what? It, seems, it beats getting what my family had, and they all had the virus, every one of them, uh-huh. in Florida and whatever. And it's bad. I, I lost some people. I lost my best friend to it. So, uh, you know, everybody has to do it. But the main thing is this. Everybody has to start doing something kind every single day. Say something nice to somebody walking in the street. Just say hello. And then maybe if we all band together and do something kind, the virus will realize you're not kind. We don't want you here anymore. You could leave. Right. Yeah. So, Michael, thank you so much. I, and I'll thank let you. you know when I, if we have another panel show, definitely we have to have you on it to have some fun. I'll look forward to it. Everybody, it's a beautiful day outside. It's 26 degrees here in Westchester. We're freezing, but we don't care. Have a great day. Thank you, Michael. Stay safe and bye. Bye Bye-bye.